He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Well, we're back. Uh, this is the uh, 5 o'clock show with uh, John Katsimatidis at Cats at Night. And the number one show at 5 o'clock. And we have uh, in the studio with us uh, Congressman Peter King. And in another studio far, far away, Rick, <laughs> Judge Richard Weinberg and I'm, Lydia Serrani, my sidekick, is here. And uh, we have a great show today, don't we, Lydia? Absolutely. We will be speaking with Commanding General Kevin Vereen, former Mayor Bill de Blasio, Art Shamsky, Dr. Mikolas. But first on the line, we have iconic Bill O'Reilly, journalist, uh, historian, author, Extraordinaire, and he's and also a host here guy? at WABC Radio, Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly, every night, Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Hello, Bill O'Reilly. You know, every time you say iconic Bill O'Reilly, I age four years. So <laughs> I'm gonna we'll say legendary, living legend. There you go. There you, there you go. go. <laughs> well, Bill O'Reilly, uh, we, you know, the way the November election goes, we have uh, uh, Kathy Hochul and Democratic uh, 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 Democratic nominee now, and uh, Lee Zeldin. Which way is the world going? I mean, this is crazy. Look, I'm I'm happy. You know, last week we were talking with Governor Patterson, the rise and fall of AOC, and AOC lost seven of the nine primaries she backed in the assembly. And now in San Francisco, what happened, Lydia, in San Francisco? They hired a new San Francisco DA, Brooke Engel. While she came in, she led the recall effort against Chesa Boudin. And she's a law and order type of person. She's she's a, a African-American and Latino. She says she's for cash bail in some instances. And she's a common sense person. And it's incredible. And they're going berserk in the uh, DA's office. Right, because they said, wow, she wants to do her job. Is the world turning, Bill O'Reilly? Yeah, it's turning, um, particularly in New York State, Nassau, Suffolk County, where I have homes in both counties. They're turning. Um, I'm not sure about Westchester. Big county, very, very uh, hardcore left it is. there. But that might be turning a little bit. Certainly Putnam and Duchess yep. are. Um, and this Jose Alba situation could really work uh in lee zeldin's favor this coming november now in order for zeldin to win in a state that's registered two to one democrat zeldin can't run as a republican i don't know if the congressman understands this or not i have not spoken to him i don't know but he can't run as a republican has to run as a populist right well when i ran i ran as a republican liberal and I'm a Republican. I, I believe in, in common sense. I believe in a lot of things. But I'm also a liberal because I, I want to help the kids of the inner city. Well, I don't know if conservatives are against kids being in the city. But um, what I'm trying Sounds to say like here is Zeldin has to seize the current emotion of the state. And nowhere is that better demonstrated in the Jose Alba case. So this is beyond dispute. Alvin Bragg believes the criminal justice system is racist. He was elected with more than a million dollars of George Soros money behind him by a very small margin in Manhattan. 
to be district attorney. He comes in and he is trying to self-medicate the justice system by not enforcing the law. That's exactly what he's doing. There's no two sides to it. That's what he's doing. Yet, when a bodega owner on 139th Street gets attacked, and everybody saw it on the tape, and defends himself and kills the attacker, Bragg slaps a $250,000 bond on him. The attacker, Simon, deceased, just got out of jail for what? Attacking a police officer. He's a violent man. No doubt he's a violent man. So what is the 61-year-old Alba supposed to do? Wait for Simon to kill him? Is that what he's supposed to do? Well, according to Alvin Bragg, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do before you defend yourself with a weapon. So 90% of New Yorkers understand this is bogus that Alba should not have been charged with murder in the first place. Maybe manslaughter, but not murder. And that Bragg was taking it out on Alba because Simon is African-American. All right? Now, Zeldin has got to see that. He's got to see how angry Hispanics are in New York City and state over Alba, a migrant, legal migrant, being persecuted. And Lee Zeldin has got a demand that Hochul fire Bragg today. Hochul won't do it. Well, you know, Lee Zeldin has to keep it simple. Remember the old That's adage right. in the Army? Keep it simple, stupid. Fire, in other words, fire, we want law and order. Bragg That's today. it. Yeah. How simple is that? Very Zeldin's simple. Law and order. TV ad, say, the governor has to fire Brad today, and if she doesn't, she's not worthy of the office. Vote for me, <clears throat> Lee Zeldin. Okay, so you would think that Zeldin would already have done that. He has not. Now, I will predict here on the Cats program that the charges against Alba will be dropped. He is not going to go through a trial because that would destroy Hochul, it would destroy Mayor Adams, and it would destroy Alvin Bragg, that trial. Because the defense lawyer can rip the city and state apart in discovery. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. All right, this there's is never going to go to trial. That, Bill, but in order to get rid of these progressives who are destroying the city and state of New York, Zeldin has got to get up and lead. And that's what I have to say. Uh it's Richard Weinberg. I'd, I'd make two points. Number one, the DA can decide not to put the case into the grand jury. That's number one. And then just administratively get rid of it. Two, the DA can put it into the grand jury. They charge the grand jury a certain way. The grand jury can uh, decide not to indict, and that would end it right there, and they don't represent. So it never has to go to a trial. So procedurally, they can sure, get rid of it much earlier in the process. He's not going to do the grand jury because if the grand jury comes back and doesn't indict, who does that make look like an idiot? Exactly. Brad. Exactly. Or, or, he can, or consequently, he could also say it gives him cover. He said, look, I put it into the grand jury and I did what I had to do, but they decided no, not to No, no, no. He already blew it. He already blew it, Judge, by the $250,000 bail. Oh, I, I agree with you. The, I agree the, with you. He's already on the side 
of the attacker, the deceased attacker. That's who Brad threw in with. But the bigger question now is Hochul. Hochul can fire Brad today. Yeah. And she won't do it. If anybody had any doubts that Hochul was a law and order type of person, this should eliminate all doubts because the fact that she has not even spoken up for Jose Alba, the fact that the new video came out where you see Jose Alba say to Austin Simon, he says, I don't want any trouble. He's literally getting smacked around. He's getting yelled at by the girlfriend saying, my boyfriend's going to F you up and this and that. I mean, this is a 61-year-old man from Dominican Republic. He's been here for 30 years, and he's never even been arrested before. And like you said, Bill O'Reilly, this guy was a career criminal. It should have been an open and shut case. And the fact that the charges haven't been dropped yet, Hochul has yet to even talk about it, that that should just that should disqualify her as governor of New York State, in my well, opinion. If anybody votes for Kathy Hochul, you're voting for a uh, diminutization of the criminal justice system. But there's another element here. Where's Adams? Where's Adams? Now, Adams has said sympathetic things about Alba, okay? But Adams can come out and say, I don't have any confidence in my district attorney, Alvin Bragg. Can can he not? Can he not say that? So where's the New York media following Adams around going, do you have confidence in Alvin Bragg? That's what the media should be doing, but it doesn't do that because the New York City media has almost collapsed with the exception of the New York Post. And WABC. Well, the New York radio is a different animal, though. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, the local news here, we've got six stations that do local news. And I mean, half the news is the weather. Christides and D'Agostino no longer sell the daily news in their supermarkets. You know, a new poll came out that said trust in the TV news media has hit historic lows at 11 percent. I mean, if you look at the at the at the six newscasts and I work local news here, I work for Channel 2 under Jim Jensen. We're a tough SOB news uh, operation now. Okay, no, no fooling around. Now it's 15 minutes of weather. Oh, here's the weather guy. Hey, is it cloudy out there? Hey, why don't you ask the mayor if he has confidence in his DA? Hey, hey, Bill. Drives me crazy. Bill, this is Pete King. I just want to emphasize something you said with Lee Zeldin. Uh, looking at it strictly politically, this is an issue that's being handed to him. It's going to unite every Republican, every conservative, every moderate Democrat, and it's going to cut into the non-white vote in the inner cities when they see what's happening to their people because of people like Bragg. So this is made to order for Lee, and Hochul's on the wrong side of it. Even forget Bragg. Hochul's on the wrong side. If she lets Bragg stay in office, she is as guilty as Bragg is. Congressman and I were just literally talking about this. Where's Zeldin, Congressman? You I, know him. I agree with you. In fact, no, you just said it. No, in fact, before the show, Lydia and I were talking about that. He should be out there. He should have been out there the other day, and I'm hoping he gets out there yeah. as soon as possible. I agree with you totally. This is an issue, again, forgetting the morality of an innocent guy being smeared like this and being jeopardized like uh, you know, the uh, grocer is. But more than that is for Lee, this is a political issue that could turn the whole election around. This could be the symbol of the campaign. The fact that he was all stabbed up and he had open wounds right. and they didn't even bring him to Bellevue. I understand, I understand that he went to Rikers Island and nobody gave him any medical care and he had an open wound. And the woman that started the whole thing with, 
with her boyfriend, had stabbed him, and she got her to go home for dinner. Yeah, she's I walking saw the around. pictures. They look infected, and he's too afraid now to go to the hospital. Bill O'Reilly, I mean, how do the cops or how does anybody do this to this guy? I feel really – he's afraid to well, even walk I out mean, of his apartment. I feel terrible for their, um, both families, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not happy that this uh, violent guy is dead because he's got people. Right. All right? So you don't wish for anybody's death. No. But look at Alba's family. I mean, come on. If they send the Rikers with a wound, he could have gotten the illegal drugs from the other inmates who have drugs all day long at Rikers. Because <laughs> there's nobody supervising the inmates there. Hello, Kathy Hochul. I mean, is this the worst uh, de Blasio you're going to have coming up? And if he's listening today, Mr. Mayor, you were the worst mayor ever. I think Hochul is vying for that on the governorship. I can't imagine Cuomo, as bad as he was, handling this situation away. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see where everything goes because there's Bill a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad politicians around and. And I think Wait a minute, John. I'm sitting in the room here. You say that. You're looking <laughs> you, at me. You, know? you know why you're bad? You know why, Peter? Tell me, tell you me. You stopped running. You should still okay. be there. <laughs> Can you I raise, should still be there, Peter. Bill O'Reilly and Senator D'Amato always hold back when they come yeah. on WABC <laughs> Radio. Why don't you guys Senator really DeMotto tell you how it feels? <laughs> okay. Can I raise the issue of the attacks on the, got one the Justice ahead. of the Supreme Court? I want Bill's comments where the Buttigieg and the White House have been saying it's okay to confront Kavanaugh at a restaurant? Oh, my God. What do you think about that, Bill? Merrick Garland on that? No kidding. Garland should basically be held in a press conference saying, look, I'm assigning U.S. Marshals to all nine justices. If anybody, anybody comes after them or at them, we're going to arrest that person. That's That's the attorney general, what he should do. All right? Instead, it's Oh, everybody has the right to protest. Oh, so he's investigating okay. school boards. You do. You have the right to protest, but not in somebody's face. Not while they're having dinner in a public restaurant. So you got to see what this is all a progressive thing. And we've got to get rid of it. So tune in at 9 o'clock this tonight. Is the, I'll yeah. wail on it again. 9 o'clock, on Bill O'Reilly, WABCradio.com. BillOReilly.com, uh, 770 on your dial. And if you have an iPhone, get the, get the app, 77, WABC. <laughs> W-A-B-C. I won't quit my day job. <laughs> you have day, night, morning. You have jobs all 24 hours. Thank you, Bill O'Reilly, and God bless you, and we'll, we'll bring America back. Thanks, John. Talk next week. Thank you. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to have, uh, I believe we have some Army, the people in charge of recruiting for the Army, and they're going to tell us uh, what the heck is going on. There's problems in our Army. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now we have on the line for us two fine men. First, Sergeant Clifford Hammond. He is a New York City Recruiting Battalion active duty officer. And then we also have Stephen A. Castleton. He's a civilian aide to the Secretary of the Army. Now, John Katzmatidis, you interviewed General McInerney. And he Lieutenant was a- General McInerney. And he was mad as hell that they're trying to impose the woke culture into the armed forces. I'd like to know what these gentlemen have to say. First Sergeant. 
Yes, good afternoon. How are you guys doing today? Well, we're concerned about our armed forces. You tell us. How, how's recruiting going? Recruiting is definitely seeing uh, a bit of an uptick now. Uh, we've definitely had a couple of struggles over the last couple of years. Uh, but uh, with our ability to get back into the physical environment and uh, a pre-COVID environment, um, we've definitely seen an opportunity to try and get our message out there uh, quite a bit more. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions and myths about our uh, military and the opportunities that we provide that uh, hopefully we're able to kind of shed uh, some light on. Where are you compared to, let's say, the two or three years ago? It's down significantly. Um, and actually, at the moment, I'm still waiting on our command general and Sergeant Major. General Vereen is on now. Again. There we go. There you go. General, uh, we're, we're concerned that recruiting is down and uh, we're not getting qualified people. In other words, we don't want to be fighting China or, or, or Russia with unqualified people. Are you concerned about that? Hey, uh, so... Hey, this is General Vereen. Uh, I will, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm just coming off the cuff, so I just got, got on. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, we are committed to uh, recruiting quali- qualified um, soldiers to join the, the Army. And, uh, no, I'm not concerned. I, I want to make sure that um, the Army is going to have the ability to, you know, to really man it with uh, qualified, capable soldiers that uh, understand that the Army is built um, to fight and win our nation's more, uh, wars, primarily. That's our fundamental mission. But So you feel that we're, we're uh, getting enough uh, qualified people. Uh, former Homeland Security Congressman King, what say you? I, I think it is important. Again, if, if there is any fall-off in recruiting, there can be a tendency to bring people in you may not otherwise. Listen, I think our armed forces are the greatest in the world. And I think we just want to make sure it stays that way, even when you're going through a tough, you know, tough recruiting time. So, again, uh, any thoughts that General Vereen has, I think, are really welcome. Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about making sure that our Army is ready uh, to fight and win our nation's wars. I, I, you know, I can't say enough about ensuring that um, we are committed to, you know, ensuring our Army's manned appropriately. And it's, it's qualified, quality soldiers um, that will, you know, that will be manned uh, in the Army uh, and that will fill our ranks and that will go out and do everything that uh, our Army's been built to do for, for decades. Is there anything you would like the media to do to encourage more, more volunteers or more people to, to uh, be recruited? Hey, this is Command Sergeant Major Foley here, the Command Sergeant Major for USREC. I mean, I mean, the only thing we can ask is, uh, you know, provide awareness, um, you know, and we ask all of our influences out there, you know, whether they're in, you know, part of our education system uh, or whatever, but, you know, just provide the awareness of what the opportunities that exist in the United States Army. And so, and we have many of them. I mean, we have... You know, worldwide locations that you can serve um, all over the world, obviously, and you get and you're able to choose a lot of those locations as well as you enlist in the army. Uh, we have educational benefits. Uh, we have benefits to travel and kind of see the world. Um, we have enlistment bonuses that that exist right now to uh, to be able to join the army. And so, there, obviously, we do ask our the, the community of folks to help uh, provide awareness 
of enlistment options and service to the Army because we have to always remain ready, and we've always answered the call. Well, that's one thing I think we all agree on. The American military has always answered the call, and it's really been great having you on tonight, and it's really encouraging news to get. Hey, con- hey, Congressman and John, this is Steve Castleman. Hey, for- first off, uh, Congressman, I hope your boxing uh, uh, practice went great the other day. I know you were working out the other day. Uh-oh, you're so keeping talk- track of me. <laughs> oh, of course. Miss you up here. But okay. let me talk about not just from an Army standpoint, from the standpoint of a parent. Between my two sons and daughter-in-law, combined 47 years and still serving. Wow. Three associates degree, two bachelor's degree, one master's degree, working on the second master's degree. And guess what? I did not have to pay a dime in student loans. What can the media do? Here's a perfect example. People who want to be in the medical field, doctors, nurses, physicians, assistants, radiologists, you could join the Army. There's 63 different medical careers the Army will train you for. And you know what? Five, 10, 15 years down the road, you don't have those student loans. Your parents don't have those student loans. The amount of careers in the military are mind-boggling. My middle son, who knew very little about the Internet, is now a warrant three in cyber. My daughter-in-law is now with the Army Corps of Engineers and is getting a master's in structural engineering. And this is thanks to the Army. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, we encourage everybody to help defend our country, and we love our country, and uh, we got to maintain our country's strength. And uh, God bless you guys for uh, working so hard at it, and we'll catch up again real soon. And I'm working on the left hook, Steve. Thank you. You know where else recruitment is falling? Among the NYPD as well. They were expecting about 1,000 recruits, and they had a little under 600. John, does that concern you, that you have a lot of people that are also afraid to serve as police officers now because of all the crime? It's not so much they're afraid of the crime. They're afraid of not being backed up by the city council and by the media. And if they do go out and make a legitimate arrest, they become the target themselves. Well, seven city council members actually said that D.A. Bragg should drop the charges against Jose Alba. And I think two of them were Democrats, right? Speaking of Democrats, we have former mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, on the line. Hello, mayor. How you doing? We're doing well, sir. Thank you. Um, Mayor de Blasio, uh, thank you so much for calling in. Last week, uh, you were attacked on uh, that you spent too much money, or you, uh, et cetera, et cetera, on the ferries. I am a big fan of ferries. Every borough in uh, the city of New York could be uh, touched by a ferry. And uh, uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise, we're going to build more highways, more bridges for billions and billions and billions of dollars. And the controller is worried about $200 million over six years, seven years. What say you? Thank you, John. John, look, first of all, thank you for having me on. And I got to tell you, you know, this, this city, we're built around the water. You know, New York City became New York City because of the water. And yet we turned away from it over the years. So here you've got the Blue Highway. Yeah, you've got no traffic jams. You have no trains stuck in a tunnel, you know, when you're talking about the water. You just have all this space that could be used to move people around. The NYC ferry has been amazing. People love it. Uh, people enjoy being on it. It cuts down commute times for people all over the city, and it's the same price as a subway fare. 
When you talk to people, John, in the Rockaways, in Red Hook, in Brooklyn, Soundview, in the Bronx, so many places, it has made life much better. So my there's no traffic. Is, there's no traffic on the East River or or or, or the uh, Long Island Sound or, or whatever. We, you know, versus the subways, versus the the highways. I mean, I think it's the smartest thing uh, we ever did. And Mr. Mayor, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. You also have the fact that it's also protecting the environment. You have less less pollution, fewer cars, fewer buses going around. It's economic opportunities for people to move quickly into the city for education, medical appointments, jobs. A lot of these communities would be transit deserts without ferry boat service, Mr. Mayor. That's right, Richard. And I got to tell you, we have only just begun. I think we should go back to our roots as a city. We should have ferries reaching much more of the city. I mean, think about, you know, you can go by ferry to the ballparks. You can go by ferry to the airports. There's so many different things we could do if we got creative. And what's amazing is the great possibility of linking it to the MTA. Ferries run by the city. And I think we absolutely got our money's worth. And I think the Comptroller's report misrepresented the actual facts of what was done. He's talking about, you know, I'm talking about building new bridges or building new highways or, or whatever. Billions Subways, and billions and, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And he's worried about $240 million over seven years. I mean, that's a lot of crap, you know? And the EDC, by the way, if you look at the report, rebutted those numbers because obviously Lander, the controller, was playing with the numbers. And there's a rebuttal to it. Yeah. No, there's a great rebuttal to it because we made an investment in the long-term future in New York City. And it's an investment that will pay off for decades. And you're absolutely right. The money it would take – you talk about building a new subway, building a new highway. It's a ridiculous amount of money, and they get crowded anyway. But the waterways, there's endless potential. And like I said, link it up with the MTA, and this is something the city and state should work on together. If you link it and a single fare gets you from a ferry to a subway to a bus or whatever combination – It'll revolutionize mass transit in this city. This is something I want to work for, and I think we can get to it pretty soon. So the city made an investment opening up a whole new world of possibilities by taking us back to the water. And I got to tell you, just talk to the people who take the ferries regularly and the quality of they life love it. that goes they with love it. it. They love it. I'll give you another thing I, I suggested to uh, uh, Mayor uh, Adams's people. You ready? Are you sitting down? That we should, you know, we're we're short sixty six million tourists because of all uh, all the COVID, et cetera, et cetera. That when me and you were running for mayor in twenty thirteen, and you won, I lost. Uh, uh, I was suggesting a world's expo. Well, maybe we should have a world expo in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, and do it with all the ports of the five boroughs and be able to access it. By boat instead of by by trains or buses or, or bridges. That way it opens up the waterways even more. Well, let me first, John, say you are a very classy and decent guy. <clears throat> You're one of the great examples to me of everything good about New York City. And we ran against each other for mayor and we're still good and close friends, which is really an example. I, I hope we can provide a little example in this difficult moment of people can get along even though they have to agree on everything. But you've always been a decent guy. And listen, I agree with you that for bringing back tourism, I mean, at the high point before the pandemic, we had 67 million tourists in a single year. And it was creating 
hundreds of thousands of jobs. And, and how do we how do we say it now? We got uh, how do you say it in Brooklyn? Bupkis now in, in tourism, yeah, right? But but it will come back. I believe in my heart it will come back because there's nothing like New York City in the whole world. And listen. Tourists love being out on the water. We know it. We know tourists go take the Staten Island Ferry. They take the ferry to Liberty Island. But now here's a whole other possibility for getting around this city. And it's just begun. We can do so much more with it. So much more. Our waterways, there's so much we can do with our waterways. And I suggested that we have 20 corporate sponsors and 20 country sponsors, and we align them in such a way you can get to all these uh, uh, events by, by ferry or by boat, and that way we bring in 66 million tourists again. <clears throat> hey, Bill, this is Pete King. Let me just say hello to you and just put on the record whatever political differences you and I ever had when it came to dealing with New York and New York issues, you were always straight on, on the level, and I know we got along very well on those issues. I want to thank you for that. And Pete, I want to thank you. This is it's again. We're going to give an example to the world of people actually getting along. You, you also always a class act. You went to bat for all the folks, all the families, the survivors of nine eleven in a way that you know it's not Democrat or Republican. You went, you went to bat for our first responders in an amazing way. And I always just felt what a good guy you were. How much good you did in this world. I really didn't care what what that initial was next to your name for party. I always liked working with you. I want to thank you. And that's that. what that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you know, we're all not Democrats, not Republicans. You know what we are? We're New Yorkers and we're Americans. Even though Bill was a Boston Red Sox fan. That that <laughs> I can't forgive you for. Bill, you can blame, will, blame I, I can't forgive you for that one. Wait, wait, but Pete, you gotta blame Carl Yastrzemski because it was the nineteen sixty seven Boston Red Sox. And where is Carl Yastrzemski from, Peter? Long Island, yeah, Long out, Island. out east, yeah. I think his Long family Island, were onion farmers. Yeah, right. That's right, potato farmers. It all potato comes farmers, around, yeah. you see? <laughs> Bill de Blasio, uh, thank you. Please come on again and talk about your congressional race, and uh, and uh, we'll talk real again real soon. I look forward to it, John. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Have a good night. Uh, next, I believe we have. Uh, oh, he uh, wants us to break first, and then we'll break we first. Back. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Vito Fasella, the borough president of of Staten Island, and a lot of stuff happening in Staten Island, and uh, let's take that break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Now on the line for us, we have Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella. Vito, Vito, there's so much going on. I know you've been out there, you know, taking on this fight for Jose Alba, which is basically emblematic of what all New Yorkers are going through at this point. You know, you you take matters into your own hands to defend your life, and now this poor guy's been charged with second degree murder. So I, I applaud you for being out there on the forefront of this a very important issue. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's always great to be with you all, and John and Peter and, and Richard. Great to be with you tonight. Appreciate it. Vito, it's been tough time zones, Staten Island, the horrible uh, 
traffic uh, accident. Uh, yeah, look, John and I were chatting earlier. You know, just the parents, every parent's worst nightmare. Three young teenagers were unfortunately and tragically killed last night um, in an accident. And, you know, what can you say? You know, I just, what we offer today is everybody, uh, you know, in a fast-paced world, just take a little time to appreciate what we have and every blessing and say a prayer for the families and the injured and, and their friends. Uh, just a horrible, horrible situation. But hey, well, what exactly happened? Well, it appears that uh, on, a, on a stretch at the south shore of Staten Island, Highland Boulevard, it's probably one of the longest roads in Staten Island, but at the very end, uh, just a car full of young people mm-hmm. going in one direction, a Yukon, it was a Ford Mustang, and an SUV Yukon was making a turn, and, and the rest is history. So uh, it just, they, the initial reports were unsafe speed, so you have to assume that maybe the Mustang was just going too fast and out of control, and um, again, one, the tragedies, it was just, you didn't have a license, it was a motorist permit, young teenager, 16, 15 years old. You know, as I say, every parent's worst nightmare occurred uh, yesterday, a couple of families on Staten Island. So just keep them in your prayers. Definitely keep us in their prayers. Vito, we had, um, who, who did we have? Oh, it was, oh my goodness, now I'm blanking out, the former um Senior, Ruben Diaz Senior. We had Reverend Ruben Diaz Senior, and he was talking about out of all the boroughs that are the most well run, he said Staten Island is the best and it is the safest. So, well, we have, why is you know, that? Staten Island, for those who don't know, is about a half a million people, a very hardworking, patriotic, uh, law abiding community. If we were, uh, it often says that if it were, we were our own city, any more than 100,000 people, we'd be the safest big city in America. In large part, we have a lot, large number of uh, active police retired. So we respect the law. We respect the police. When uh, the, the maniacs was talking about defunding the police a few years ago, Staten Island stood strong. And that's one of the reasons. And we're blessed to have so many great people who contribute not only to Staten Island, but the city and country. Peter, maybe you can have Staten Island lead, lead the whole city and the whole state. I tell you, I mean, you know, that to me is real America out there. Well, thank you, Peter. You know, you've always been a great friend to, to me personally, but to the people of Staten Island and your service in Congress. And we don't forget, we're loyal people. We're, we're common sense. You know, they, they don't they don't buy all the, the rhetoric, like what was happening um, in, in this poor guy in the bodega trying to, as you guys have articulated, trying to save his own life, save his own skin. We've created a situation where the victim becomes the criminal and the criminal becomes the victim. Uh, you know, in our Constitution, our way of life, some things are delineated or enumerated. But one of them that's not is the right to self-defense. That goes back thousands of years. And here this poor guy working, trying to make a living, is attacked, is assaulted, is stabbed. He's in jail, 250 grand, And the girl who stabbed him is out in the street. You know, it's just uh, the world is upside down right now. And what we did over the weekend on Staten Island, frankly, is we said we stood with small business owners, store owners, tavern owners, some of whom have been robbed a few times. But we said on Staten Island, if you are attacked, you have a right to self-defense. You're not going to jail. You'll get a medal and let the other guys suffer. How significant was it that you, a Republican, and a Democratic DA were standing together along with other elected officials? Is there that type of unanimity on this issue in Staten Island? I think so, Peter, and, and that's done, you know, not, not just by design. That's done to show that there are certain issues that transcend politics. The current district attorney, I give him credit for standing there in, in this 
whatever climate you want to call the rest of the city. Uh, those who don't know every borough is a separate county. It has its own DA. And I wanted to, and we wanted to do this together to demonstrate to everybody that this issue transcends party politics. doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat, Republican. If you're a hardworking business owner and you're attacked, you have a right to self-defense and, you know, pity. Well, let's just think logically, right? Here's a situation where a guy comes in, attacks a store owner, they arrest the store owner. What's to stop a guy from coming into the store and saying, listen, if I attack him, they're going to arrest the owner. I'm going to go free. So we're trying to stop that. We're trying to send this signal on Staten Island. We can't control what happens in other parts of the city so far, uh, you know, for the most part, unfortunately, but we can control what, what's happened here. And Staten Island belongs to the law-abiding citizens and not the criminals. Vito, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. I just want to raise this with you because it's very important in terms of the direction the courts are going. The uh, chief judge of the state of New York, John Fioro, has announced that she's leaving as chief judge at the end of, uh, of August. Was she pushed out, uh, Judge? I, I don't know if she was pushed out. Vito? Uh, she can't le- legally, she can't be pushed out. Psychologically, she may have been pushed out. Yeah. But the, the point I want to make is you already have politicians saying, well, this is great. We're going to have a new chief judge. We should get a progressive in there. To me, that shows I have no idea what a judge's role is. The judge is not a legislator. It's not to have a progressive judge. It's to have a judge who will interpret the law as it's written and not to uh, to. to abrogate the Constitution and the laws, but to give effect to them. What do you say, Vito? I, I couldn't agree more with your, your statement, Richard. I, I think that that's been part of the issue with the progressive movement. They don't get what they want through the legislative process, as Peter knows better, better than anyone. It's the will of the people. You come together. You compromise. They don't get what they want, so they've been using this for decades to get it at the, at the judicial level. So my, my response to them if they want to change the law, run for Congress, run for the legislature, and you can do it. But to sit in the bench after the whole democratic process has resolved itself to a, a theoretical solution, and they come along and they say, we're going to undo all that, you know, that's part of the frustration people feel right now. And going full circle, you have an innocent man trying to protect himself, and he's become the criminal. This is like Alice in Wonderland. Crazy. Vito Fasella, thank you for a great job uh, uh, in Staten Island. Thank you for standing, having the courage to stand up and standing by Republicans and Democrats, uh, standing by with the DA in, uh, in uh, Staten Island to, to voice the truth. God bless you, and God bless Staten Island. Thank you. God bless you, John. Thank, thank you. you very much, everybody. Have a good night. Appreciate it. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. John, this is a great evening for me. Uh, my all-time favorite ball player growing up was Gil Hodges. He was beloved, an outstanding Brooklyn Dodger ball player. Then he managed the Miracle Mets in 1969 to the World Series. And finally, uh, a week from Sunday, he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame. It was a terrible injustice that it's taken this long, but now he's going to be in there. And with us tonight on the phone, he's uh, from New York. He played for the 1969 Mets. He's an all-time Mets great. I'm proud to call him my friend, Art Shamsky. Art, how you doing? Uh, Peter, so great to talk to you. And the guys, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, and you said it right. Uh, uh, Gil Hodges is one of the, uh, in my mind, one of the all-time greats and uh, a hero in Brooklyn and, of course, in New York City. And so... We're all looking forward to uh, that induction on the, uh, I think it's the 24th, a week from now. Uh, you know, you, you were there. I mean, the Mets did not have a good team for six years, whatever it was, from 1962 to 1967. Gil Hodges came in 68. You won it all in 69. As a player, 
tell us what influence did Gil Hodges? How could one person as a manager, you know, bring such a dramatic turnaround? Well, you know, it's interesting. The first day I, I joined the team in 1968, I was traded from the Cincinnati Reds in my first year. Uh, was 68, and uh, that was Gill's first year there. And, of course, uh, Tommy Agee also and a couple other guys, Al Weiss, J.C. Martin. So we were all new. Uh, we played against the Mets when I was with the Reds, and the Mets were, as you mentioned, were not a, a very good team. And if you didn't win two out of three in a series, it was a, a bad series for you. So when we got there, I'll never forget this, the first day in spring training in 1968, and I really didn't know Gill very well. I knew him by reputation. I watched him as a kid growing up in St. Louis, uh, beat my Cardinals all the time, and, of course, he was with those uh, great Dodger teams in the in the uh, 50s and uh, late 40s, and they were only overshadowed uh, by the Yankees, who had uh, those great teams also. But I remember that first day in spring training, and, and Gil just said, uh, listen, I want everybody to know you are not going to be the same old Mets you've been in the past. Well, I mean, right away I knew it was not going to be the same. I, I hadn't been there those early years when the Mets were struggling. I played against them, but he just changed the whole idea about being the New York Met and, and just changed the, the concept of being the lovable losers, which the team was called. And I think his, his knowledge of the game, the way he managed himself uh, on and off the field and, and the credibility he brought to the Met organization was really the turning point. And there's no doubt in my mind if he wouldn't have passed away at that early age in, in spring training at 72 he would have, uh, 1972, he would have led the Mets to more championships. But hey, uh, you know, no, about, I was going to say, yeah, uh, no offense, but all you ball players are big egos. How was Gil Hodges able to convince all of you to platoon, uh, not to play every day and move players in and out and still keep the team working together? I, I think it was just a matter of, uh, of us total respect for him. And, and he had proved on the field what he could do as a player. And, and you know, I just think the way he brought, uh, he, he, he managed the way he, the way he was able to deal with whatever was going on. He, he was a manager that managed by feel, Peter. You don't see that anymore in the game. Uh, it's all about uh, sabermetrics and printouts. He, he knew everybody on the team. He got everybody involved. And I think every player to this to this day had total respect for him. You know, I always tell people this, you know, Ronnie Swoboda and I platooned in right field, and he platooned in four or five positions. And right. In reality, we none of us liked it. And in fact, it probably hurt our career in the long run. But the reality was we respected what Gil had to say, and it was working. And I think the fact that he had total command on the field as a manager and, and what he had done as a player, I think we all had to respect. And I think I think he uh, really was the catalyst in us winning. There, there's no doubt uh, hey, uh, that uh, for- won the Wonder World Series. Uh, they're going to call a timeout here in a second, but I understand you and Ed Cranepool are coming up for an event uh, this Sunday. Right, and, and uh, in Babylon at the Argyle Theater, it's a wonderful theater, and uh, we're going to be talking about Gil and what we uh, what he meant to us as a manager and then his career, and then that will lead into the following Sunday. Uh, uh, we'll be up there in Cooperstown when he goes into the Hall of Fame. But that's uh, thank you for mentioning it, Peter. Uh, this is coming Sunday at the Argyle Theater in Babylon, uh, Eddie Crampo and I will be there at 7 o'clock uh, talking about uh, Gil's legacy and, and uh, how important he was in our lives and how our lives changed October 16, 1969. Well, you, know, uh, you and Eddie are two all-time Met greats, and thanks for what you do for the community. I don't know how many youth events I've been to when you and Ed are there working with the young kids. So thank you for that, Art. Thanks, thanks for thank what you, you did. Thank you, Art. John Casamitini. Right, thank you. Guys, and thank you so much, Peter. Really appreciate right. it. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Dr. Peter Mihalos with some new innovations on how to live long. 
longer. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, we have our resident medical genius, our own renaissance man, Dr. Peter Mikolos, who knows everything about everything. So we were just talking before salt. I know sugar is bad for you, too many saturated fats, but now we got to worry about our salt too, right, Dr. Mikolos? Yeah, an interesting study uh, conducted by the Tulane University School of Public Health, and they actually did it in England where they have very good medical records and everyone's on the NHS system, so you can follow them easily. There were 500,000 people followed for nine years, and they found that those who were using extra salt and adding salt to the food that already has salt when it's cooked and processed food already has salt, but by adding that salt shaker and hitting it about five times every day that you're increasing your risk of premature death by 28%. And again, this is not like a study with 20 people. They followed half a million people. So we now basically have a conclusive study that showed that uh, adults who use salt and extra salt on their food for men on an average will live two years less and for women on an average will live one and a half years I mean, when you look at salt underneath a a microscope, it's like tiny little rocks. Well, it's not that. What it is is that it's called, uh, when when it goes in, you need water to dilute the salt. So more water, more fluid gets drawn into the uh, fluid spaces and into your blood, and that raises blood pressure. And when you raise blood pressure, that's one of the reasons you get more strokes, you get more heart attacks, because when blood pressure is high, the body says, I can't take it anymore, and the vessels clamp down. And another interesting study, since we're trying to keep our audience healthy, they found in Finland that saunas will uh, lower blood pressure, and those people who do saunas live longer than their the rest of the population because basically it turns out that a sauna is a way to exercise without having to move around because it's exercising your blood vessels. And one of the reasons the sedentary lifestyle is a problem, when the blood vessel walls don't move, that's when plaque builds up and they get hard. But when you have sauna, hot, cold, and the heat dilates the vessels and when they move. And when your vessels are constantly moving, they maintain their elasticity, then you have lower blood pressure, less strokes, less heart attacks. So basically it turns out that saunas uh, used on a long-term and regular basis turn out to be basically a way of exercising your blood vessels without ever having to do any exercise. So that's the other interesting thing. Dr. Mikolos, I wanted to also mention to you hospital-acquired pneumonia. We know it kills patients, and there's a simple way to stop it, brushing a patient's teeth. I was reading this article. Do you believe that? So a lot of people die from pneumonia in the hospital, right? You, they go in for one thing, they, and it turns out that there's – can you talk to us about it? I, I was just reading oh, reading about this, and I thought this was fascinating because whoever thinks about brushing their teeth or having their loved one's teeth being brushed, but it could actually end up saving their life. 
Well, dental health is extremely important. It affects cardiac health because when your teeth aren't in good shape, some of those bacteria get into the bloodstream and they get into the heart valves. That's why some people who have certain implants and certain dental problems, they give them prophylactic antibiotics before dental cleaning because you don't want those bacteria. Just like when you get a cold and conjunctivitis or something, you cough, you breathe, you drool on your pillowcase, and you usually get conjunctivitis on the side you sleep on because our mouth at night fills up with bacteria. So brushing our teeth is very important because some of those bacteria, when we're breathing, can make it down into our airway and possibly increase the risk of pneumonia, bronchitis. So dental hygiene is extremely important to maintain our health, and uh, it's something that we have to start teaching kids from a very young age about oral hygiene. And the last thing I was going to talk about was a study that was done on uh, alcohol in uh, St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin, Ireland by Dr. Bethany Wong and found that when you consume more than one uh, bottle of wine per week total and more than three and a half beers per week total, that your uh, risk of having cardiomyopathy and heart problems increases four and a half fold. So that's another study that basically now we're getting these studies where things we suspected were bad for you, but now we actually see them in these large-scale studies that we have reason to believe why we need to be uh, more careful. And the lesson is moderation and, uh, you know, salt, especially if you get diagnosed with high blood pressure. Consider if you have access to a sauna and try to keep your alcohol consumption moderate to stay healthy. Doctor, are there risks to low blood pressure? Yeah, if your blood pressure is too low, you can pass out, you can hit your head, and uh, you can, you know, you basically, it's mostly about... Uh, trauma because when your blood pressure goes low, you tend to pass out and faint more. And that's why people who are dehydrated and they go out in the heat, like people from the city, they come out and they go to the beaches in New Jersey or Long Island or Connecticut and they're out of the heat and they don't drink enough fluid. Your blood pressure can drop and that's not uh, that's not safe either because when you're dehydrated, we now know that your blood viscosity increases. Your blood becomes thick like half and half instead of thin like skim milk. That's why people get more heart attacks and strokes when they're out playing tennis, golf, and they're out in the heat because think of your blood as a liquid. And when you drink a lot more fluid, your blood runs thinner like thin motor oil, like 10W30. And when you're dehydrated, your blood runs thicker like 20W50 motor oil. So you get more heart attacks, strokes, and, of course, your uh, we just said your blood pressure uh, is too low. It's a problem. And also people feel chronically tired who have low blood pressure because their brain is not perfusing with blood, which needs oxygen. So your cognition is not as good when your blood pressure drops. And that's why people you know, lie down. Uh, um, doctor, when we're out and I have a, a restaurant made soup with all that salt in it, boy, do you, do you end up bloating up? Yeah, no, you feel it because your body has to draw in all that fluid. Your hands swell, your ankles can swell. It's amazing how, you know, we are basically, I hate to say it, we're a bag of chemicals and mostly water and keeping that balance, that homeostasis of our salt, our magnesium, our phosphorus. And that's why it's important to, you know, do our blood work, get our annual physical, especially during COVID. A lot of people forgot to go get their blood work, their EKGs. And we encourage people to get their annual physical and get back to their doctors and get checked out. Because in the end, mental and physical health and listen to the Cats Roundtable to get the truth about how to live longer. 
So you hear that music. We're at the end of the show. Thank you all for listening today. And to our audience, thank you, Dr. Michalos, for keeping people alive longer. And uh, and uh, Congressman Peter King and uh, uh, Richard Weinberg from that studio so far, far, far away. away. <laughs> and, and Lydia, thank you. And uh, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and, and the American, American way. way. God bless New York. God bless America. And thank you for listening.